I'm Jessica Denson, host of Lights On with Jessica Denson here on the Midas Touch Network. We have been witnessing unthinkable atrocities around the world, of course, in Israel and the Middle East. And we may have been tempted to turn our gaze momentarily from Russia's war in Ukraine. And there is nothing that the unholy alliance of forces like Vladimir Putin and Iran would like us to do more than forget or be divided over our support for democracy wherever it is threatened. With Ukraine funding in limbo in the U.S., the urgency of our support has never been greater. We have one very significant tool at our disposal, and it is wonderful to be joined by someone who is leading the charge on that front. Harvard Constitutional Law Professor Lawrence Tribe. Professor Tribe, welcome back to Lights On. Thank you, Jessica. So you, as I mentioned, have been leading the charge to, um, in particular, have the United States lead an effort to unfreeze Russian assets that are sitting in banks around the world. $300 billion in Russian assets are currently frozen, and you have been advocating to release those funds and transfer them to Ukraine. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. The um, democracies of the world are relatively few and far between. Two of them are particular allies of ours and are beleaguered and existentially endangered now, one Ukraine and the other Israel. For Israel, the problem of funding is an especially acute one because it requires taxpayers to step up to the plate. For Ukraine, there is a need for funding by American and European taxpayers, but there is also an important source of funding that would not burden the taxpayers of the allies at all. And that is the Russian central bank funds, the sovereign funds that were frozen around the world immediately upon Russia's illegal war of aggression, first involving the annexation of Crimea and then more recently the attempted occupation of Ukraine. It is an illegal war of aggression. The funds were frozen pursuant to sanctions that were imposed on Vladimir Putin's Russia as a result of the occupation and the atrocities and the genocidal attack. Those frozen funds are not going to be returned to Russia anytime soon. And indeed, all of the nations that have frozen these monies have agreed, the G7 and the United States as one of the G7, that none of the money could be released to Russia until Russia makes adequate reparations for its illegal attack. Those reparations will require half a trillion dollars or more, but we needn't wait for the months or perhaps years for that war to be over. The money is sitting there in central banks in the United States and around the world. And in the United States in particular, we have a statute enacted all the way back in 1977, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, that explicitly delegates to the American president acting unilaterally without the involvement of the judicial branch to 
take the frozen assets and transfer them. The word used in the statute is transfer. Transfer them upon declaration of a national emergency. And one was declared originally by President Obama. It was expanded by President Biden when in February of 1922, the uh, Republic of Russia, the Russian Federation, certainly not a republic, the Russian Federation, attacked aggressively and illegally the sovereign nation of Ukraine, its neighbor. The national emergency that was declared authorizes the president, without any further ado, to transfer these assets. In Canada, there is a law that authorizes the same thing, but the Canadian law requires the involvement of the judicial branch. And on October 17th, I believe, relying in part on a study that I did with the uh, law firm of Kaplan, Hecker, and Fink at the behest of the Renew Democracy Initiative, relying partly on that report, it looks like the Canadian Parliament will amend its law to exclude any role for the judicial branch and thereby make it easier in a streamlined way to transfer the assets that are frozen in Canada. Uh, over the last couple of days, the government of Belgium is taking steps in a similar direction. I've been urging President Biden to play a leadership role in the United States, where several billion dollars of assets are frozen. Once that happens, I think that will start a steamroller. Uh, the dominoes will fall in many other countries where frozen assets are located and they can then be transferred to Ukraine. That's a very important step to take, and I'm hoping that we are just seeing the beginning of movement in that direction now. I hope so too, and especially in a time when we are dealing with an unprecedented situation where we don't have a Speaker of the House, where there is um, you know, some, I, I think, very un-American, American calls from the MAGA caucus to not fund Ukraine anymore at all. Um, it's it's absolutely critical and vital. I want to talk a little bit more about that commission that you um, that you were involved in with renewed the Renew Democracy uh, Initiative, led by Gary Kasparov, the Russian opposition leader and world famous chess player. Um, I know that you have been vocal about the distinction between transferring these funds in full and what has come to be a more popular or a has has had a growing support which is um transferring just a windfall tax or the interest on these funds some people seem to want to take a halfway step and just transfer the interest that is building on these funds that are around the world to ukraine can you explain why it's uh, the moral imperative to not go halfway and to go all the way well, if only it were halfway, that would be better than it is. It's just a tenth or a hundredth of the way. It makes no yeah. sense to take the interest or the skim the profits that could be generated by these assets and transfer that trickle of money uh, to Ukraine when the need is so much greater. But the legal framework in international law for what is called countermeasures, calls for complete reparations, not simply a token gesture. And the idea that it is perfectly okay 
to grab the interest and to tax the windfall, but not to touch the principle, is a crazy compromise. The U.S. Supreme Court has long held that the interest follows the principle. If the property belongs to Russia, so does the interest. If the interest can be seized and transferred, so can the principle. It's like trying to wade halfway across the Rubicon. You're going to drown if you don't swim all the way to the other shore. It is both ineffectual and a moral compromise and an incoherent one to say that we can simply do the half step. Um, that is what Belgium has decided finally to do. Until then, Secretary of the Treasury Yellen and some of her counterparts in the European Union were talking the talk of taking the partial step. Now, Belgium is walking the walk. I say we should run, not walk, and we should run all the way. Yeah, and that $300 billion could generate quite a bit of interest. You put the interest together with the uh, the capital, and you are looking at a significant um, significant investment in rebuilding Ukraine, which is estimated to cost about $400 billion, the destruction that has been done in that country. Um, I've read reports, I think that latest report you shared with me, Professor Tribe, that it could take these funds, it could take a year to reach Kiev once this is authorized. Um, only about $5 billion is, is held in the U.S. of that $300 billion. As you discussed, you think that the U United States um, should take that leadership step, that first step. Um, can you just explain the urgency of doing this as soon as possible? Well, with every passing day, atrocities go on uh, in Ukraine. Those atrocities were in many ways a model for what Hamas uh, did this past Saturday uh, and may continue to do in Israel. In fact, it, the connection between what Putin has done in Ukraine with the support of Iran uh, and what Putin with Iran's support have helped Hamas to do in Israel is a very tight link. Rather than letting the devastation go on indefinitely, we really have to begin as soon as possible the task of reconstruction. Some people seem to think that because getting all of the money over there will take months or maybe a year, that it isn't so urgent. But on the contrary, the longer it takes, the more important it is to begin, not today, but yesterday. It seems to me that it's entirely illogical to say that we can just let the money sit there and do nothing while people die, while bridges are devastated, while roads are destroyed, while buildings and hospitals are are, are blasted, uh, we really need to begin right away. And in a war of the kind that Russia waged against Ukraine, where no real distinction is drawn between military and civilian targets, it makes no sense to see a bright line between defending the nation and rebuilding the nation. The two are inextricably intertwined. Unless you rebuild certain bridges, you can't defend the nation. Unless you defend the nation, rebuilding it will become all the more difficult. So this is something where time is of the essence and where I think with every passing moment, we lose ground. 
I agree, Professor Drive, and I want to thank you so much for your advocacy, for sharing it here on Lights On. I absolutely hope that the people that need to hear you are listening. Um, thank you for your commitment to democracy and really just humanity around the world. We we all need more of that in our lives so much right now. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for featuring this on your on your podcast, Jessica. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you uh, again, Professor Tribe, and thank you everyone for joining us here on this special episode of Lights On. Please check out Lights On with Jessica Denson wherever you get your audio podcasts. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.